a year to us is like four years to the normal everyday person because you're just constantly running and I work a lot. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Just One More podcast, powered by the Neil and Neil team. My name is Chris Jacobs. I'm Carlos Copsock. And today we're going to lay out what the podcast is about, some of the differences that I think we have that maybe other podcasts don't quite have, and some things that we do have that other podcasts do have. But first, we're going to do some introductions. We want to talk about kind of who we are, what our background is, uh, kind of what we're about. And uh, why we're even doing this, and we'll start with Carlos. Tell us a little bit about yourself, my man. So, again, my name is Carlos Copsua. So, um, I'm living here in San Antonio, but I'm not originally from San Antonio. I'm actually from a small town, uh, Pearsall, Texas, about an hour south of San Antonio. So, I am a small town guy. Um, I left the military after high school, um, served in the Navy for a couple of years. And uh, once I got back to San Antonio, uh, I did work in sales with insurance for a while at USAA. Uh, I did that for about seven, eight years, and I got into real estate. Well, officially got my license in 2016. Uh, I didn't necessarily jump into a full tosh until about maybe about three years later, and I've been doing that since 2020 uh, on the Neil and Neil team, selling 25, 30 houses a year, looking to keep growing each and every year. So how? So when you got into real estate, were you a solo agent or were you on a team? So when I first joined up, I was a solo agent. Um, I was on a boutique brokerage, which is smaller brokerage for you guys that don't know. Uh, and I was just trying to do it on my own. Uh, I was really trying to get out there. Again, not being from San Antonio, I felt like I was a little difficult trying to right. meet people. So I was buying leads. I was trying to door knock. Uh, I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't really have anything like that. So I was really try trying to just figure it out. Um, and I mean, doing it part-time, especially, um, for a while, I, I just, I just, I couldn't get it figured out. So if you had to say when you, when you started out as a solo agent, obviously we're both on a big team. We'll get into that here in a little bit. With you as a solo agent, how many deals do you think you did a year? Total units and volume, just to get a perspective of when you started and then join the team with the resources and the leverage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, when I was, again, first couple of years, I was doing maybe six, seven deals a year, um, which probably equates to maybe two million, two and a half million, something like that, which again, doesn't really get you that very far. No, no. Uh, so I, I was not, I mean, I, there was a point where I wanted to quit. I was like, man, this is a lot harder than I thought. But I, I, uh, I knew it wasn't something, I knew I'm not a quitter and I wasn't going to give up. So I kept pushing, and um, that's what I, I, of course, joined the team. And, I mean, once I joined the team, everything changed. Yeah, no, the, the amount of resources and leverage. So, well, that's a pretty hell of a backstory. I knew you're from Pearsall, but I, I guess it never really sank in that you were from the boonies. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. don't really look like a boonies guy. I mean, Yeah, no, I try to, I try to hide it. The skinny <laughs> jeans and the pointy toe shoes and stuff. Uh, so, my name is Chris Jacobs. I am an agent on the Neil and Neil team here at Keller Williams. Um, I started in, well, I was in the military also. I was in the army, uh, back 2003, 2006, uh, multiple tours in Iraq as a military soldier and a civilian contractor got into sales sometime around 2011. Um, and then did seven years or so with an equipment manufacturing company. We sold and rented construction equipment for several years. And then I was conned into getting into real estate because I was told by two very dear friends of mine that I now work for that we were going to be flipping houses. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll, you know, help you find them and try to convert people over so that we could buy them from them on a win-win situation. And we started out doing that in 2017, um, went really well. And uh, they approached me with an opportunity to join the team full-time. I've never been a solo agent. So I joined the team full-time. And so far I say it's been pretty decent. Um, it's been a long ride, seven years. Uh, it doesn't seem like a long time to a lot of people, but when you're in real estate for seven years, you start to kind of learn that uh, a year to us is like four years to the normal everyday person because you're just constantly running. And I work a lot. Thank God my wife takes care of the kids and stuff. So 
That's kind of why we're here. I want to lay out some industry facts to you. You want to be the general idea is just to know bullshit is just get rid of the bullshit, get rid of the fluff, tell you how it is, show you what's out there, what we do as a team, not just on the real estate side, because look, I don't want to sit here and talk about real estate for an hour, but we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about what we do, you know, our volume, how much work we put into what we do. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about a little bit of politics, not in the sense of, you know, left, right, more in more in how politics impacts the global markets, the the federal markets, the real estate markets, stuff like that. Uh, we're going to talk about some current events, some different things going on. Yes, I'm sure at some point Carlos is going to bring up the Cowboys and what happened last week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl coming up, who we think is going to be in it. So it's going to be a fun ride. So um, I'm looking forward to getting this going. And I really kind of want to jump into some topics, generalizing how this format's going to lay out. So, Carlos, you had a topic you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, so uh, one of the main topics that I uh, wanted to bring up is actually how fitness actually helps or hurts your business. I mean, a lot of people in this industry are, again, busy working all the time. Like some, uh, a lot. When I first got in real estate, all I heard was, oh, I get to work by myself. I get to control my own schedule. All the oh, stuff God. that uh, people say on social media. Social media is a completely different mm -hmm. story than what real life is. And so I jumped in thinking, hey, I'm going to have all this free time. I'll be able to go to the gym. They'll do all this stuff. But <laughs> you get in this business, and I mean, sometimes it's hard to find time to do anything. So um, there's a lot of people in the industry, uh, especially a lot of uh, people that are pushing and try to be successful that really don't take care of their health. They really don't work out. They don't eat right. They're eating crap in their car, whatever, dropping from showing to showing. And um, they're not working out and all they're doing is once they're done showing what you're doing their work going home and drinking some alcohol but they're never really taking care of themselves so one thing that i really pride myself on is i do try to eat right again i don't eat perfect either but uh yeah, i also work out six days a week now i'm not saying that everybody has to do that i just it's something that clears my mind it's something that gets me in the zone uh every single morning that i wake up uh, i'm doing some type of movement because if not, when, it, when those days that I don't work out, I, I mean, I feel like a slob. Well, I mean, that's all y'all did in the Navy because y'all didn't really do anything that's other true, than just true. eat and work out. No, it, it's actually, you know, I'm glad you mentioned social media and how social media plays a role in real estate because we're going to get into, that's going to be a topic for the next episode is we're going to get into social media and media in general. But so much of what you see on social media is just, it's just not indicative of what real estate is. Everybody that gets into this business goes into it the mindset of, let me back this up. Realists. I'm not talking about realists. I'm talking about just the general public. That's like, you know what? I'm going to go get licensed. I'm going to jump into this business. And they think with well, going and doing that by jumping into this business that, well, I'm going to go make a ton of money. I'm going to have a ton of free time on my hands. I'm going to be able to go do this and take care of my kids or whatever the case is. When you get into it, then you quickly learn that if you're going to be successful in real estate, and I mean, successful on a level of, I'm going to make a really good living and be able to create, you know, generational wealth. There ain't no fluff. There ain't no, it, it, the, the whole idea of time, it, that ship has sailed. The 2021, 2022, I think you could get away with it to a certain extent because it was easy. The market was so good. Um, but if you go and you look at high volume, you look at people that have built businesses on real estate I'll just use myself for example, because I don't want to speak for anybody else. I typically work when I first started 16 to 18 hours a day. And you're going to say you're crazy. No, you didn't. No, I did. And Carlos can tell you because he came in on my second or third year. Anybody in this team can tell you there wasn't anybody here that was going to work longer than me or harder than me. But I was also on a, on a mindset of this is a launching pad to other opportunities. So I built my platform off of, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to build the biggest damn pipeline I could possibly think of. I'm going to leverage it out with assistance and transaction coordination. And I want 25 to 30 million a year. And it took me three years to build that out, to average 25 to $30 million a year in volume. And you want to talk about now I have the time to start focusing on the things, you know, uh, I'm partners in a gym in my hometown of Lavernia where I currently live. And 
I have other things going on on the real estate side that's not agent related, but it took me basically seven years to build that out so that I could focus on that. And when people come in, you always see, you know, somebody's going to post on Facebook tomorrow. It's going to happen. So, oh yeah, I've got my license. Mm. Okay, great. What are you planning on doing with it? Because a lot of people think that they're going to get their license. They're going to come in and, you know, they're good with one deal a month or whatever. That's fine. You're not going to last in this industry like that because you're going to burn out. You're going to think, well, one deal a month will carry me, but you're not, you're not thinking about what it costs. Yeah. Signage, marketing, time. I mean, I would say time, gas, gas but yeah. well, except for you, you drove a test. Yeah. But then you had, say, though, had yes. to charge it a lot. Anyways, <laughs> but to me, when I look at the breakdown of a solo agent versus a, you know, a, an agent on a team, I look at it from time. My time is worth a ton of money. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I don't have to chase lockboxes. I don't have to chase signage. My time is worth, to me, a crap ton of money. So it's, it's, it's interesting because the social media perception, oh, yeah, fancy cars and big houses. And it, no, 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 no. I was driving a 2011 F-150 that was run down when I first started um yeah i'm driving a nice truck now but i work my ass off to get it down so um it's interesting the perception of time and what you can have in real estate and if you want to do it part-time i think what do we lose like five thousand agents across the state oh, that's even before that i like, think i was just san antonio <laughs> i mean you you went from when i got into the industry there was somewhere around i think six sixty five hundred agents I think it was last year it was somewhere around 14,000. Yeah, the little over 14,000. And so many more have fallen off because they got into it thinking, oh, 2022 was easy money. They made 100 grand. I'm like, all right. Now they're like trying to get one deal. Yeah, it was it was crazy busy, 21, 22. Anybody with a license could practically walk outside and sell a house. Oh, yeah. But now you actually have to build a business. This is not just sell a house. This is building long-time relationships with people, building a business. And planning for the future, not just going day by day, wake it up at 12 p.m., go show a house, and they put in an offer that day. I mean, that was happening. There was times when I get a client from like Zillow or something, show one property, and they're in a contract. Those days are gone. With like seven offers. You're trying to yeah. get six, seven offers. It's funny because going back to health and fitness, that is such a key part of it because it, well, one, it plays a role in your mentals especially coming out of that type of market. Where, oh yeah. You know, I didn't, I don't work with a ton of buyers. I typically do, you know, maybe 20, 20 buyers a year. And for some people, they say that's a lot of buyers, but they're, they're, I'm going to show them one house, two houses, then I'm locking them down. I'm not having to show them 35, 40 houses, yeah. whatever the case is, nor I have to write and compete against, you know, however many offers that house has. So y'all have a different perspective, but that's one of the reasons why I wanted to open a gym because I gained a ton of weight. I was stressed out because I was listing. I wasn't really working with buyers and I was having to deal with going through 15, 16, 17 offers. I would be on my, in my truck, grabbing whatever I could as fast as I could. Cause I knew I was going to be sitting in my office or in my garage, going through offers all night long. I didn't have time to eat right. I didn't have time to take care of myself. Mentally, I was drained. Physically, I was drained. Tack that on with the fact that I've got two kids. One was in volleyball. One was two, you know, two, three years old, just absolute chaos. And then the marriage, making sure that I was staying connected with my wife. So I started working out like hardcore in November of 2019 or 2020. And it turned into, I got tired of going to the same gym. I didn't have any improvements. It was run down. I said, you know what? I have an opportunity here, partnered up with a buddy of mine and his wife, and we opened a gym. And now it's like, I'm in that son of a gun four to five times a week, two hours every morning. I don't go on the weekends because that's reserved for hunting and sports. <laughs> but I go, I try to stay in as good a shape as possible. And you have, I think you have to do that because there's a lot of people I see in this industry that really had kind of started honing in on that, that when, you know, coming from being overweight or unhealthy and now I see them when they drop 40, 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. They're starting to kind of, you're seeing that health and fitness trend play a big role in what the market, what the market demands of an agent. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Being fit's kind of coming back in when, uh, again, a lot of people were just sitting at the computer all day, uh, 
COVID. Yeah, COVID. Uh, people staying in their house. You get bored at your house while you're working. Just start eating whatever's there. Um, and not to say anything bad about lenders, but lenders especially, they don't. They didn't really have to go anywhere, especially if they already had all their relationships with their realtors and stuff like that. Lenders would, I mean, they, they'd be at home all day. Uh, and they're part of our same industry, so uh, I was just including them on this. But you see a lot of them were, I mean, again, through COVID, through those years of being home, they just kind of lost lost their overall health. But the good thing is, is I do see a lot of those people getting back into the business. And you know what? I see their business coming back as well. I see their business getting better. A lot of people reaching out to them because uh, I don't know uh, about you, but if I see somebody who's slob, who doesn't take care of themselves, I'm thinking they're not going to take care of my client either. Uh, why am I going to send them a client if they can't even take care of themselves? That goes from the agent perspective too, though. I mean, obviously we're not here to fat shame or like that, but yeah. you want to take care of your overall appearance because the buyers, sellers, they look at that. That's indicative of the business you do. And uh, look, one of the biggest things that I think about when I got in this business, well, just being in this business in general is how hard I've worked to get where I'm at. And now I've got to sustain that. And that's not, there's no difference between that and the fitness side, because I've worked hard to get where I'm at fitness wise, health wise. I want to sustain that, but the stress levels in real estate, require you got to maintain those you got to keep those under control because that falls in line with your mental health your mental health falls in line with your physical health so you want to keep up with what you want to do now look if you're a if you're a part-timer or you're a retired military and you want to do one or two deals a month hey knock yourself out you're going to take care of friends and family that's fine uh but listen at the end of the day dude just take care of your damn self like you you just want to you know there's so much more out there you know i i lost my parents when i was very young they were not healthy people um conditions got them i mean it's the end of the day i don't i don't want to go through that same path with my kids or my wife so um but that that kind of leads into the next subject i mean one of the biggest things as a realtor that i get asked is why did i choose real estate uh what was the idea you know going in versus what it actually turned out to be uh one of the reasons i'm not a typical realtor because well one i don't even own a suit um and shout out to the Michael James Memorial. Got me this super sweet hat. Um, that's coming up this Saturday. They do a lot of cool stuff in the Lavernia community. So I just want to kind of give them a shout out. But um, why did I get into real estate? So initially, I thought I was getting into real estate to flip houses. That was the general plan. Uh, Shane and Clint brought me in. Got we, I got licensed just to do that. I was never supposed to be a part of the team. I was only supposed to be a part of actually flipping houses. And so as we dove into finding the houses, getting them under contract, closing them, rehabbing them, then listing them, it's like, dude, this is kind of fun. Like yeah. I started like really enjoying it. And I was like, all right, cool, you know? And I did good. I had I had a really good career, made really good money doing what I was doing. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? Like, what appealed to me most was not having a boss. But obviously we have team owners, but you're an, you're a 1099 contractor. You don't yeah. have a boss. You Look, you do what you're going to do, and if you don't meet expectations and let you go, you go on to the next place. So I was like, man, I kind of like the idea of being able to build it out the way I want to build it out, build out my schedule, design it the way I want to design it, and go off from that. So in July of 2017, I joined the team full-time. Full-time agent, quit my job, vomitos. And it was like pure chaos. Like, not what I expected at all. I thought I was going to come in, do two deals a month, a month, you know, deal a month, and it's like, you know, didn't have any idea what the pay would be. I just kind of figured, you know, it's a percentage of whatever you sell. I've been doing that for so long. And I couldn't imagine the amount of, because there was only, I think, five or six of us on the team when I joined. And the lead flow running with that, I, my wife would get so mad at me because I would take a lead in the middle of dinner. Or like, I remember one time we were having a uh, get together at my house. And the whole family was there. Shane was there. Courtney was there. Like the whole family. And I'm sitting on the couch. And a Zillow call comes in and then our phones, we had Zillow marked with two flames, Zillow two flames. Like if you were, if you're old school team or Shane Clay know what I'm talking about, everything was labeled with like flames or money signs. Cause it meant, Hey, leave, exactly. answer. Like you have to answer. So I would jump on those calls and I would, I swear to God, I would work 16, 18 hours a day, nonstop. I didn't do anything but take leads. Oh, my wife used to get so mad at me because I put in so much time into that. So it wasn't anything like I expected it to be. But then, every like I always say, everything you do today is for three months from now. Mm -hmm. Shoot, three months later, 
when those deals started falling, oh man, it was like, oh, what the hell have I been missing this entire time? And it was just a, com- a, a since I would say since that day, it's just been a free for all, just constantly building, constantly building, constantly contributing, working with agents, teaching them, trying to understand that. You know, there's not one way to do it. There's so many different ways to do it. And there's so much that we're going to cover in this podcast, you know, for as long as we have it, hopefully forever. Um, like there's so much that can go into it without having to go and pay a coach and without having to go and spend your money on certain type of marketing materials. It's just, there's an easier way to do this. And I, Hard work. I mean, what, what do I always say? You are never going to outwork me ever. Bullshit aside, you're not going to. And if you do, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to work harder. You just push to the next person. Why? So if you had to go back to the day that you joined the joined our military, joined real estate, why? What did you join the join real estate for? So um, after I got in the military, um, honestly, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I actually jumped into college. Um, I went to college for about a year. Um, I was actually going to be like a football coach. I was like, hey, I love football and sports. Um, I, I Hey, I'll be a coach and I'll be really good at it. And again, I'm a hard worker, gonna put in 110% all the time. So I was like, man, I would be a really good football coach. But as I was going through the the training, looking at teaching, I was like, I do not want to be a teacher. I don't know how teachers do it. I did, I could. Caesar? Uh, yeah. Caesar. I, I couldn't be a teacher. So um, ultimately, I, I decided, you know, no, that's, that's a no go. Uh, so uh, I actually jumped into oil field for a little bit. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You went into the oil field. Yeah. What did you do in the okay. oil field? Who did you work for? What did you do in the oil? I got to hear this. Let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. I wasn't necessarily the oil field. I was in the pipeline industry. Okay. But I was a terminal operator. So I was inside. I was not outside. Typical Navy. Typical Navy. Yeah. Typical Navy. But um, so, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I was doing that. I did that for uh, maybe about two years. I got out in the uh, Navy in 2009. So it's been a while. Uh, so I did that for about two years, and then uh, I, I was working six days a week, but away, away from all my friends, away from all my family. I wasn't married or anything like that, but I didn't have a life. I didn't have any life at all. So I was like, I'm done with this. I made a ton of money. Uh, I, I stashed it all away, pretty much, and um, I left. Uh, that was when I was, I was actually living in Pearsall. So uh, I decided to move to San Antonio, and I started working at USAA. And I, I did really well there. I moved up really quick. Um, I was one of their top salesperson uh, with their insurance department for like the last three years I was working there. Now, the thing that got me is I'm working a non-commissioned sales job, doing really well, but I wasn't getting any type of reward. That sucks. Like, I mean, I was like selling almost double what like the people around me were just because they didn't have any ambition. They weren't really good. Um, they were just there to fill a seat. Uh, but I actually had passion for what I did. And again, USA has helping military people. So I just, I really liked what I did. So it got to a point though, where I was like, I'm better than this. I'm more than this. So um, I honestly like saw on social media. I saw people doing real estate, all mm-hmm. uh, people doing that. And I was like, come be in real estate. You can uh, make a million dollars. Like for about a year, I was contemplating it. You know what? I might want to do that. And uh, then I, I finally decided to buy my first house. And um, I mean, I went through the process and it was really smooth. Uh, I was like, man, I, I, I actually got into a house. Like I, I, I came up, I'll be honest, poor, super poor. I, I ne- uh, we never really owned a house. Uh, we lived in an apartment, stuff like that. So I, I never thought I would own a house. Uh, Carlos over here buying a house uh, all by himself. So I was like, man, I want to help other people do that. Like I want to help other people reach their dream of owning something, knowing that they work hard enough. Like to it would. Every agent says that though. Like that's a legitimate thing. Like for you was I went through grew up. Yeah. yeah. So you grew up renting, poor, not understanding the value of home ownership. Yeah. Like talk about that. Like explain why when you hear that, it's cliche. Cause you hear a lot of agents say that. I I trust me, I hear it all the time. Yeah. And it's bullshit. It's so much bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yes, there are agents out there that really want to help. But look, we have a job to do. We want to do our job. We want to be good at our job. But there's a legit, like with this team, even like a legit passion for it. Oh, yeah, 100%. And like I said, it goes back to that's why I, I got into it. Uh, again, I didn't know much about being a realtor at all. Like, uh, I came from Pearsall. I don't even, we have like maybe one realtor gal there. 
Um, like uh, we, I didn't know anything about real estate. I didn't know anything about owning a home. Uh, so as I cont- uh, jumped into business, I was like, just like you. I was like, say what I thought I was completely different. That's not what I like. This is not like what I see on social media. So it got to a point where, I mean, I closed a couple of deals. I was like, man, I, I, I almost made more than I made in my entire year part-time that I was doing my full-time job. So I was like, I can actually build a career doing this and I have full control over it, knowing that I can work as hard as I want or as less little as I want, but I can build the business that I want without anyone having control over it. So that's kind of why I jumped in full time. And again, my ultimate goal was again to help people get into a home, but build a future for my family where they don't have to struggle. They don't have to worry. They don't have to go through what I did as a kid. If they have, I'm now able to provide my family I'm mean, whatever they want. We go on a couple of vacations a year, like I got a Tesla, like you said. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're really uh, able to do whatever we want. And it's all just due to the fact that we work hard. My wife's realtor as well. Uh, we both got into the business, but it's just, it's all pure hard work. So again, going back to it, I started because I liked the process that I went through when I was able to own a piece of property that, I mean, I never thought I would ever be able to own a piece of property. I really never even thought about it. I just grew up in apartments and I, it never even crossed my mind to like go buy a house. Like that just didn't cross my mind until one, until I moved to San Antonio, like uh, there's not as much inventory in Pearson. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, one, moving to San Antonio, uh, uh, again, I'm already like, I don't know, 26, uh, no, maybe even 28 years old. But, uh, I was going to say, you're older than me. I mean, you're older than me. You're a year older than me. Shit. But yeah, you're 39, right? He's going to be 40 this year. I would, I'm 38. I'm 38. Put nothing like that. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, I saw people my age already owning a home, two homes. Uh, even some people, if you did investments, own like five or six homes. I'm like, man, I, I want to be able to do that. So uh, just being to go through that process, knowing that it really does create not just wealth for life, but it creates like a sense of like, accomplishment knowing that man i was able to work hard and do this and just being able to do that myself wanted to really go out there and help other people do the same thing but make some money at the same time that was the same thing coming into it because we never owned houses when i was younger i think at some point some point i think my parents owned a house in dallas that we lived in right before my mom passed away or actually when um, i think right when she passed away and uh one of the things that i think triggered me to really jump into it was not buying a house owning homes wasn't to help people i didn't really think about that i thought okay look this is a chance for me to really kind of i would say play with my own time be my own boss see where it took me make some money and kind of just what if what else i could build off of it um and obviously knowing the guys uh for as long as i have and kind of understanding what they did and saying, okay, well, I can do that. Like I can work just as hard and I can, you know, produce just as much. That was kind of my idea. But what changed for me was COVID. When COVID hit, obviously the market exploded, like the market went nuts. But when COVID hit, my entire perspective changed because I saw, even though the market was going so well, and even though the market was crushing it, a lot of people were hurting. Like a lot of people were hurting. And I live in a small town and man, I saw it every day. And it like, I don't know what it was. Something inside of me just kind of flipped a switch. It was like, all right, you know what? We got to start figuring out how I can take what I'm doing, what I'm making, give it, put it back in the community. And so I formulated a plan to figure out, you know, how a way to give back and, and get the people that needed it the most opportunity. And this wasn't even a thing like, a lot of agents do these giveaways. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty. We do giveaways and stuff like that to promote our business, but to, you know, oh, we're going to buy a $500 ice to slap a sticker on it and you like, follow, share. No, 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 no. The people we were targeting, they're, hopefully they will, but they're probably never buying a house. They're probably never going to use my services. Um, they just, they needed a help. They needed an opportunity. So I partnered up with four or five other local businesses in town and that kind of started something in me that kind of triggered, all right, the harder I work, the more money I make, the more I can put back into different organizations. 
So I went in and I hired a, uh, I wouldn't even call her an assistant, more like a, I don't even know what you would call it, like a CEO of marketing or something. <laughs> and she basically built out a plan. I was like, all right, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do giveaways, we're going to do raffles, but we're also going to make sure that we're not just focusing on the people that are just going to be clients. We didn't, that's not what the idea was. And then it turned into events and foundations, uh, the Michael James Memorial, the Laverne Education Foundation, the Colby J. Kent Foundation, making sure that we're putting into the community what we're getting out of it. And I think that's where agents, I think so many agents struggle with their business because they're not putting into what they're taking out of. And that's a problem for me. And that is transformed into my why, my why of real estate. Something I always talked to, actually, I didn't even talk about it. The guys talked to me about when I, the very first day I started with the team, I think we went to like, what's the rustic? Is that what it's called? Yeah, in yeah. The, okay, so it's the rustic and it was me and like 10 or 12 other agents. I don't know what we were there for. It was something. And I remember talking to uh, an agent named Emily, good friend of mine, awesome agent, she's on the team, and a young lady named Bree, who is no longer an agent. I think she's actually a nurse now. Um, and me, her, Bree, me, Emily, Bree, Shane, Clint, Penelope, and there's like 10 others. We got the conversation at the end of the table about your why. Why did you get into real estate? And I got to hear their why, what they grew up in, how they grew up, what they needed to do to set themselves apart from everybody else. And the amount of work they had to put into it. And it made me remember that when COVID hit, we started going through it. I was like, I got to reestablish why I'm doing this. Because this can't just be about money, getting rich or making money. And uh, if you go into it with that mindset and you're not giving back to the community, that community is going to spurn you quicker. No, I can tell you right now, and I'm not going to name them, but I can name two agents in our industry right now that, that are from my area that were working out there pretty heavily that non-existent. They have from in seven years of pretty much major hit in their production because they're not involved. They're not involved in Little League. They're not involved in community events. They're not putting back into it. I volunteer. I go and I'm, I'm part of the planning and zoning commission. They're just doing transactions. That's it. Just doing transactions. That word. Not building any type of relationships. Yeah. That like word that. is my why is I don't want to do transactions anymore. I don't want to be transactional. I want to provide value. I want to make sure. And I'm telling you right now, as an agent, if you want to be successful in this industry and you're looking at this shit transactionally, you're gone. You're done. This year, you will be out of this business because if you're not planning for three months, four months from now, you're out. I don't care what anybody says. If you don't get, uh, hold yourself accountable, you're done. And yeah. That's what you're seeing with all these agents falling out. Yeah, I mean, you've seen a ton of people who are sitting around just waiting for the phone to ring when that's not the market anymore. We're getting back to a regular market for real estate agents where we actually have to build relationships. We have to stay in touch with our clients, give back to our communities. We have to build a business. This is not just sit around and wait for somebody to call me to buy a house. That is not how it works. I mean, it did for a little while, but that is not going to be the next couple of years, probably ever again. Because one, rates are never going to go back down that low. So, uh, I mean, the market will stir back up and buyers will jump back in, but we're not going to have a frenzy where, I mean, you can throw a rock and hit 20 buyers. Yeah, like that. I don't think you'll ever see two, three percent. You may see three and a half. I don't know that you'll ever see two percent again. No, I, percent. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. And what you said about throwing a rock and hitting a buyer, that was just dead on. And And you look at agents who are still sitting around waiting for that phone call. Yeah. It's real. I mean, it, uh, trust me, like, Every time I think I'm getting slow, I get super busy. But I've, I've talked to agents that haven't done a deal in six months. Yeah, and going back to um, being on a team, um, we don't post a lot as a team on social media. We don't do all that stuff. We're just having it working because the team has built a business to where we don't necessarily have to do that. But there are people who join the team, maybe been a team, short period of time, and join during that time period where it was busy and it was crazy. And they were they were getting business, but now that the business is not flowing in like it was, they're starting to maybe reconsider the business, maybe think, oh, I don't know if it's me, is it the team, is it what's going on? But at the end of the day, you've got to put in the work. The team can give you the leads. I mean, I get, I mean, a waterfall of leads on a, a weekly basis. It's about nurturing them, building the business, providing value. Uh, you can't just get a lead and expect them to close next week. And that's what a lot of agents think that they're, Hey, I got, a, I got this lead. Why aren't they closing? No, you have to 
build them, find out their motivation, uh, give value back. And at, when they're ready, they'll want to work with you. And a lot of people just don't see that anymore. That's why they're falling out of business. And we're probably going to see people continue to follow the business for probably the rest of this year. And I can tell you for all those agents that want to knock teams and agents that get leads from teams. So what? I've 90, I think I have to ask, I think 90% of my business last year was sphere. No leads. The only leads I took from the team were referrals from the team of specialty type of properties, farm and ranch, commercial, whatever. So don't knock an agent because they get leads from a team. Cause guess what? They're busy. They're getting a paycheck. They're working. They're putting in the work and that lead is going to turn into a pipeline lead. That lead becomes a spear lead and then their friends and their friends, friends. So it, it, agents have this, for, for whatever reason, solo agents have this disdain for team agents. Some of them, not all of them. And they want to make it clear. Oh, these are, these are my leads. Every lead started somewhere. Yeah. At the end of the day, who cares if you're, guess what? I would much rather have five or six team leads than, sit, than sitting on my ass waiting for one sphere lead to call me. Now, I'm going to go out and hustle and get my sphere leads. I've, I've built a, a, a business around it. But there's times where it's like, you know what? I'm not doing anything today. I'm not busy today. I've done all my follow-ups, gone through my pipeline. A fast expert lead just came. I'm going to jump on it. I don't care. Who cares? Like, just stop frowning on that. Because what I did was when I started, I was doing team leads. That's all I had. And of course, I knew a lot of people. So I was going to get that sphere business going. But I was doing probably 70, 30, 80, 20 team leads, my own personal sphere. I flipped it completely two years ago. So no more team leads. I'm going to do team leads that are supplementing my income. Just if I get bored or have some free time, or if somebody calls me and they need to send a referral out or they need help on something or they don't want to work it like it's a commercial lead or farm and ranch and I'll throw them a referral fee or whatever the case is. But I, I can't stand it that people even go after the idea of, because guess what? We have some of the best partnerships in the world. What is it today? Was it yesterday that we got named? Uh, number one for fast sex was nationwide. Yeah, nationwide. Like out of 6,000 agents, our team was number one for FastEgger, which is a lead source that provide, provides real estate leads. So I, I don't feed the whole narrative of knocking people that get team leads. Who cares? At least they're not busy. Oh, but it waters down your splits. You're done. You're still making money. Those people that uh, have that mindset, they're just thinking short term. They're oh, thinking of the lifetime value of a lead or a client. They're thinking like, oh, this is just one lead, uh, 50%, whatever your split is on the team. Uh, because people see that automatically up front. That's all they're thinking about. Uh, I'll be honest, but when I was a solo agent, I thought the same thing. Uh, but again, I was doing, like I said, I don't know, six to eight deals. Uh, my first month on the team, I did three deals. I'm already like, that's already half of what I was doing in a full year. Uh, in that first year, I ended up doing 25 deals. 25 deals my first uh, year on the team was nowhere near that by myself. And 95% of that was team deals. Now, uh, right now, this is my fourth year on the team. Uh, first year, I was like 95%. Second year, I was about 80%. Uh, last year, I was at 60%. So those um, those clients that you get from team leads start, again, sending referrals, sending um, their families. If they're buying again or they're selling again, so they turn into sphere deals that you're not having to give as a big split. And you're thinking about the lifetime value of the client, not just this one transaction. And most people are in solo. Most people who are solo are just thinking about that one transaction, that that one split that they have. Yeah, I mean, even if you work, say, I don't know, 15 team deals, 10 team deals, 12 team, that's that's more than you had before. Six figures. I mean, I mean and, and you and you break out and you break out. Let's just say you break out. Um, you're doing ten sphere deals, ten team deals. Exactly. You just doubled your income. Not maybe not quite doubled it, but pretty damn close. So what does it matter? Oh, you're not doing team. You're not. You don't pay for leads. Great, cool. I'll take them. And all day long, I'll take them. All day. Um, we we got in this business to help people. It doesn't matter where they come. From. I don't care where they come from. Yeah, like it doesn't it, matter if it, for a thirty thousand dollar lot or. A million dollar property. The idea, and that's another thing that bothers me with new agents, with agents in general, is that people that turn down business because it's this. Oh, dude, I don't give a damn. You want to call me? If you got a quarter acre with a single white on it, call me. I'll sell it for you. That's just one more deal that I didn't have. But all that, but think about it. Like, if you have a single white on a half acre, and let's just say it's worth $75,000, call me. I'll sell it for you. 
Because at some point, you're going to want to buy or sell something else later. I'm setting up that pipeline. Like agents get to put their nose in the air for this idea of, well, I, you know, I don't want that deal because it's a it's a mobile home. Mobile homes are easy. Single eyes, uh, not so easy. Let me actually tell you this quick story. I hate to cut you off, but uh, I remember it was my first year in the team. I get a call for a hundred and forty thousand dollar mobile home. Um, over it's over toward Bernie. I already know it's going to be trash. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I didn't want to do it. I was staying in the same mindset. Like, man, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to help um, somebody. Like, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, I'm just thinking about that transaction. When I get there, a guy pulls up in a Lamborghini in his mobile. <laughs> yeah, he was buying it for one of his distant cousins just so they could have a place to live. I was like, what the heck? This is, this is why you don't pass it up. Then he wanted me to sell his home. Uh, in Bernie, uh, he hasn't sold it yet, but uh, he also is buying a place in Costa Rica. He wants to buy some crops over there. Again, I can't help over there, but I can send referral. I mean, you can get life. But, yeah, I mean, I technically could get life. No, sorry, Jennifer. I got to go to Costa Rica to show some property. Uh, yeah. I think it should be fine. I should probably go with you. She's probably like, all right, tag along, but no, but you never, you can never judge a book by its cover just because you're looking at something. Doesn't mean it's for them either. And I still, I saw a picture because uh, Lamborghini, it was, I mean, Bright red, it was super nice. So I will never forget, I got a call. This was, God, I want to say 16, 17, 18, 2000. Okay, anyways, guy lived in Floresville, and he's going to watch this podcast. I know he's going to. He's going to listen to it because I still talk to him, still do business with him. He wanted to look at rentals. And I was like, oh, God, a rental? Like, yeah. So I thought I was going for someone that wanted to look at rental properties, not to buy one, but to rent it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on it. I've never done one before. I want to learn anyways. Get to the property. He didn't want to look at it as a room. He wanted to buy it. I thought, okay, well, that's even better. It was like a $100,000 property. It was in Floresville. Like down, like, you know where 97 goes out to the park? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The convention center? First stop side, take a left. Right on top of the hill. So look at this house, and it's a disaster. Like this place was a mess. Like I'm 90% certain somebody murdered somebody there. Like, almost guarantee you like that is where the guy that shot jfk lived like it was a disaster <laughs> and so we walked the house it didn't work out i followed up with him for about a month afterwards but price point i was greedy didn't really push onto it too much but fast forward like a year later 2018 19 he calls the team looking for me so, and he's like, hey, I want to talk to this, talk to Chris Jacobs. He gets in touch with another agent, not an agent anymore. And he passes over to me. I was like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? It's been a while. He's like, hey, I need you. I need your help. I'm like, what you got? Because I want to introduce you to somebody. Can you meet us at our office? I'm like, all right, cool. He worked for LJA Engineering. So I jump in my truck and I go meet this guy at the office. And he's like, I want to target farms. And I'm like, oh, cool. Farmer is. He goes, no, 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 no. Developments. Ooh. And I'm like, I don't know crap about developments. But he's like, I need someone that can go door to door to farmers and try to convince them to sell to us. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking like, I don't know what type of volume I'm thinking about. Like, I'm just thinking, okay, it's got to make sense for the farmer. It's got to make sense for the buyer. What goes into this? I literally opened up every planning and zoning book, every city council book I could find going over discharge permits, what it looks like to master plan. How do you master plan? How close does it need to be to sewer water? Got with Brady, the engineer, the guy that called, called me originally learned what to look for i found this piece of property and i shit you not it was my seat up until last year it was my single largest transaction i think it was 2.6 million my second year in real estate and my single smallest transaction and i still believe is i have to ask the guys it's a team record 650 dollars wow. for a corner lot it was horrible i think i'm pretty sure i owed the team money like i think i had to pay the team to run the transaction it was That's that bad crazy. but that was off of a freaking rental lead that I didn't want to take. And now that's turned into that actually turned into a 2.6, a 2.5, a 650. And now another very large development deal that we're working on currently. And it's like, don't sell yourself short on these cheap leads. So one of these cheap leads probably made you 50, 60, a hundred thousand dollars. More than that. More than that. Cause it turned into another development that I, because I learned how to do it. It turned into Woodbridge. Oh, okay. And then Woodbridge turned into listing houses in Woodbridge and then listing lots in Woodbridge. Like it that just one deal. And it does these developments. It is not always gonna happen like no, that. It just doesn't work like that. But why the hell would you ever lose an opportunity yeah. to try and make it work like that? Yeah, never pass up helping people. Period. It's it's never just a thing like 
you know, there are times where I'll refer business out because I'm just too busy to do it. Like, you know, but if I can do it and I can help somebody, you can go on to my Zillow page, read my reviews. Like I will put whatever I can into helping somebody get situated. You know, when property taxes started going crazy a couple of years ago, I did over 160, I think I did 163 or something like that. Property protests for free, for free. YouTube videos on how to look at it, how to understand it. You just, you cannot get away from the platform with which you work. And that's to help people. That's why you're licensed. That's why you're out there doing what you're supposed to be doing. So it's just something that, I mean, that's my why. We all know your why. I mean, it's, it's kind of why we started this podcast. It was generally, there's 15 million real estate podcasts out there. Yeah. But man, it's just so much bullshit and fluff and fake coaching. And you know, I argue with coaches all the time and I like arguing, don't get me wrong. But just the idea that there's people out there that are telling agents things that aren't making them successful and they're literally making money doing it. One of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast is because we want people to say, okay, I've never done coaching ever. I hate scripts. I, I get in arguments with our, our director of sales all the time because my listing presentation is so different. Like it's not what the team says because I do things differently. But when you're trying to be successful in real estate, you have to do it your own way. You yeah. cannot, you can take everything you've learned in champions, trek, whatever, coaching, whatever you do, find a way to do it yourself. Find a way to put your own spin on it. Because I think COVID taught us the sales pitches and the bullshit that's done. Like they don't want that. People want to handshake eye to eye contact, whether it be a zoom meeting or in person, they want to know you're a real person. You actually give a share. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, Unlike him, uh, I, I did try a couple of different coaches because, again, I was just, in a sense, seeking that, I don't know, the, honestly, the easy button. I was seeing, seeking that, like, hey, how do I get to this faster? Uh, I've tried, like, I don't know, three different coaches, and they're all the same thing. Um, they're all telling you the same story. Um, the biggest thing is you're paying somebody to tell you, hey, did you do your work this week? No, a babysitter in a sense, uh, a glorified babysitter. Uh, yeah, they're going to give you some advice, but you can find this advice anywhere for free online. Ultimately, they are a glorified babysitter and you're paying them thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, and again, I'm someone who is chasing that, always chasing that. And uh, finally, uh, I mean, I do like getting the information, but at the end of the day, you can get all that on your own. You can get all that online. But at the end of the day, uh, coaching, again, some people need it. I wouldn't necessarily get a real estate coach, a life coach, I just like coach a, a life business coach. coach, life coach, someone who's going to help you other than just specifically real estate. Now, I agree with those. Uh, again, Tom Brady had a life coach. Um, so you get a lot of coaches, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had a coach for everything. Um, but at the end of the day, I do agree with having a coach for some aspect. But specifically, somebody just helping you just do your everyday job, you should know how to do your job. You don't need somebody to wake up and tell you how to do it and tell you to wake up and do it. To know how to do your job. I said on the Key Factors podcast just about a month or two ago with Mark Jones and Jeff Garza, the owner of Rebel Realty, and we had this exact same conversation. And the number, and you and I have talked about this before. The number one thing that pisses me off more than anything is that people in our industry, in every industry, it's not just ours. It's it's across the board. They want someone to hold them accountable. 100%. I get it. I get it. I, I, I totally understand the idea of <clears throat> having that exterior push, that outside uh, viewpoint. I get it. But if you can't learn to hold yourself accountable, why the hell are you expecting someone else to do it? If you can't get up every morning on time, you can't go through your pipeline by yourself. Why, why would somebody be different? I, I, I've never understood that. And there's some really good accountability groups on this team. And I look at them and I look at the agents that are on them and every one of those agents hold themselves accountable and at a higher regard. And they're willing to say, okay, I'm going to go be on another accountability group, not just because it's an accounting accountability group holding you accountable. You're helping other. It, mm. To me, I don't even see it as an accountability group as it is a more of a mastermind. mastermind. Yeah. So if you need someone to hold you accountable and you can't do it yourself, and you can get, get out of business because yeah. all you're going to do is weigh it down. And that, that pisses me off more than anything is that there are agents out there that I, and I've, I've dealt done a couple of deals here the last month or so, two months with agents that just, there's no accountability. 
everybody's wrong with them. No matter what you do, they can even go to Trek and figure out that you've been right. And they just know accountability. Those are the agents that are going to wash out of this. I mean, it, it's kind of like what we saw last weekend with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. a complete total. Did they play? Black. But, um, so that's a hell of a segue uh, into uh, our next segment is, are you a sports enthusiast, Carlos? Yeah. So let's. Yeah, Did the Navy let y'all watch sports? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've honestly, um, again, I always uh, go back to my childhood. Um, so I grew up, like a lot of people, just uh, not the greatest environment. Sports honestly changed my life. Like, uh, I, I could have been going into drugs, all this stuff, but uh, I fell in football at the age of like seven, seven or eight. And once I did football, I mean, that legit changed my life. I fell in love with sports. So uh, I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, um, and I mean they they let us down almost every year. Like you know what, you gotta stay loyal. You gotta stay loyal. Um, I think um, we have the tools. Um, but you sound like change, you sound like Mike McCarthy right now. We can change some of the tools. Like I don't know. I don't like Mike McCarthy. I, I, so okay, I, I, okay. So hold on. Let's just go back. So here, here's the deal. Obviously, we're with Cowboys fans, and no, not all of you that are listening, whoever does listen to this, are Cowboys fans. But I have a general perspective on this that I think is unique because I used to actually write blogging articles for the Cowboys and the Texas Longhorns. I'm a Texas Longhorn fan. Um, and so it was interesting because going into that game, like breaking down the general idea of that game, what was going on, you had a left tackle that was coming back from injury. You had Stefan Gilmore, you know, separated his shoulder going into the playoffs, coming out of the last game of the season. You already lost Trayvon Diggs. You lost Leighton Vander Esch. Both were, you know, Trayvon Diggs didn't even get a chance to really play. Leighton Vander Esch was bawling out up before the San Francisco game. So I can tell you exactly what happened and why I'm okay with them keeping Mike McCarthy for two reasons. One, what people don't understand is if you look at the defense and how we play defense, we played a man zone or a man to man press coverage. That was our bread and butter all season long. Yeah. Uh, Stephon Gilmore. Deron Bland, press man, get after it. Well, I didn't realize this until we got about halfway through the game. They actually went to a cover zero the start of that game, which is a zone. Stefan Gilmore couldn't press because he separated his shoulder. I didn't know that he tore his labrum. He actually tore his labrum. They went to a cover zero for most of the game, which is a zone, which guess what? You don't do that. They haven't done it all season. So your coverage is sucked. Like they were, I mean, Obviously, you saw in that Green Bay game. So that killed the defense. So I'm good. I'm I'm happy with Dan Quinn going. But I like the idea of keeping Prescott and McCarthy, marrying them together for the last year of Prescott's deal and the last year of McCarthy's deal. You win, you get an extension. You don't, we do what everybody wants to do and blow it up. But why blow it up right now when you're going to pay Prescott regardless? You owe him like 50-something million dollars. McCarthy's got another year. Don't bring in a new coach, a new scheme. Start all over. With, for Prescott, he's 30 years old. You don't start him all over again. You put them together and you say, y'all go. If you don't win, you don't win. If you win, you get extended. What does that look like? I, I think you have to pass the divisional round. I don't think they have to win the Super Bowl. You get past the divisional round, as long as you don't get embarrassed in the NFC Championship game next year, you extend them both. But I don't think you extend either one of them. I think their cap situation is going to be you know, dictate what they can do with their finances. But I think in general, I like the idea. I was an anti-dad guy for a long time. Same, same. And I've got a lot of friends that work up in Dallas that cover the team. One of them actually works for the team. And him and I talk about this all the time. Dak Prescott changed my perspective this season. Yeah. Because going into the season, I was like, this dude, I mean, he's just not that good. He's not that dude. I mean, for 13 games, 12 games, the dude was a baller. And even the game against Philly, they lost in Philly. Dude balled out. The defense just gave up 20 yards. I feel like he's got the talent. He just folds under pressure, like in the, like but, in the playoffs. So, okay, but, but he won a playoff game last year against yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, that's true. But, but, uh, but he's also, he's won big games. But again, the playoffs is a different situation. I think this was the, the perfect storm going into this game. You don't have a running game. So Green Bay stopped, sold out to stop the run. Dak started off really bad. He finished great, but by then the defense wouldn't get couldn't get a stop. So it didn't really matter. But I think it's gonna be interesting offseason because you got two, got four, two big games this weekend. You got Baltimore and who are they playing? 
Baltimore. They play um, play Kansas City. Yeah, Baltimore. Well, how did I forget Patrick Mahomes? So Baltimore, Kansas City this weekend, and then San Francisco, Detroit. I'm thinking. I'm taking Kansas City. I got Baltimore. Dude, P. Holmes doesn't lose, bro. I feel like Baltimore is just on another level right now. I it's... think my problem is that I'm not a Lamar Jackson thing. Uh, okay. I, was gonna I say. think their defense is fantastic. And I think he's good enough. I think he's um, playing a step above his normal game this year. Uh, Pad, pa- playoff Patty. I mean, that's true, but. And he's going to have Jason Kelsey there taking his shirt off, cheering on Travis. Taylor, Tay Tay's going to be there. I know you're a Swifty. Nah, I, I, I've never even heard of him. Who's this person? Yeah, lying ass. Um, I don't know. Take you, uh, what was it, like four or five years ago when Baltimore played the 49ers? I'm seeing a rematch. Oh, yeah. I for- no, no, they didn't. Yeah, they did. No, because the last time the Ravens won the Super Bowl was 2010. Was it? And the San Francisco hasn't. I'd have looked it up. Yeah. San Francisco hasn't won a Super it, Bowl. It, I remember because it was Hartbaugh versus Hartbaugh. Was it? Oh damn! I'm you may be right. I thought San Francisco. So, but the Ravens, Ravens, 2010 Super Bowl. And the crazy thing is, this is so crazy. We're looking at the Harbaugh moment. won God, the national hey. championship in college. The Harbaugh was going to go back to the Super Bowl again. <laughs> I don't know. I'll look it up. We're going to talk about this because uh, they did play in the 2012. Uh, oh, they beat the San Francisco 49ers in 2012. Yeah, Kaepernick. I thought it was 2010. Kaepernick. 2010 would have been, well, 2009 would have been Green Bay, Pittsburgh. Anyways, Kaepernick. Oh, God, don't. Let's not get into that. Yeah, yeah. That's... Okay, so you've got the Ravens. I've got the Chiefs. We're going to circle back on this because I want to know. I, I think the Chiefs win that one. I think it's going to be tight, but I think Chiefs pull away at the end. Um, Detroit, San Francisco. I think, I want to think 49ers, but I think the Lions are going to pull it off. So here's what makes me sick about this one. There's two things that make me very sick about this game. I don't want the 49ers to get another Super Bowl. Obviously, because of the Dallas Cowboys 49ers rivalry, the history, everything. I don't want them to get another Super Bowl. I think they have five. Yeah. They have five. So I don't want to see them get their sixth before the Cowboys get their sixth, which who knows if that's going to happen. Uh, but then I also don't want Detroit to make the Super Bowl because that would mean that Dallas and Washington are the only two teams in the last century that haven't made the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl. Well, Dallas and Washington are the only two teams so far left now in the last century that haven't made actually going back to 92, I believe. I think that's right because Detroit made an interesting championship game in 1992. I think Washington was 91 or 90, something like that. And so those three teams were the last three left that didn't make some sort of a conference championship game. Now Detroit made it. So it's now Dallas and the freaking commanders. So I'm torn on this one, but I got family from Detroit. My aunts live up there. My dad's from there. They're big Lions fan, my cousins. So I'm going to pull for Detroit to beat San Fran because I would rather San Fran not get a sixth ring than Detroit not get a ring. Because I, I don't think they have one, do they? Uh, Detroit? Yeah, they've never been to a Super Bowl. My, okay. so, uh, they can have one. The only reason I'm going uh, my favorite football player of all time is Barry Sanders. So. Uh, I want the Emmett was better specifically because of that. Emmett was better. No, Emmett was better. Uh, I don't know. I think Barry is the best running back of all time. Oh, all time, all time. You know why? On his size, he wasn't big. He was Emmett. He was quick. Mm, uh, he wasn't very quick. quick. I wouldn't say he's fast, but he was quick. He was was fast. Uh, He was fast, fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he gets starting. He wasn't Bo. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, that's a good one. He's a quick, but Emmett, I actually was, uh, I, I'm, I'm a stat guy. I was looking up there 40 times, all that stuff. He was like a 4 six forty. He wasn't very fast, uh, but he was saying quick. I just, I can't see, I can't look at Barry Sanders and say that he's better than Walter Payton or. I think mainly because he didn't, he wasn't in the league as long as them. Uh, Tenure. He, um, he, he did. Everything he could to get to the Super Bowl, but he was on the wrong team. I guarantee if he was in today's league, I mean, he'd be leading rusher. Um, but I don't know. I think he's, if not the best, one of the best of all time. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that. Top three? Yeah, yeah. Top four? I mean, Walter Payton, Tony Dorsett, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. I mean, I'd even, people are going to call me crazy, but Frank Gore. 
Yeah, yeah. People underestimated how long he was in the league. I think he has like 16,000 yards rushing or something like that. I mean, he was about as close as you can get to breaking the image record. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but anywho, so we made our picks. We talked about who we are. We really appreciate those of you that turned in, tuned in. So please like, follow us, share us with everybody else. I believe you want to tell them what platforms we're going to be on, how this is going to go. Yeah, we're going to um, start on Spotify, which will spread out to the other um, platforms. Uh, you'll be able to see us, of course, on YouTube as well. We'll put this video on YouTube and uh, we'll share it all over the place, but mainly uh, Spotify uh, and YouTube are kind of the top places we'll put it at. And of course, we'll share it on our Facebook as well. Uh, haven't set it up yet, but I will be setting up a Facebook page specifically for this podcast. Uh, that should be set up pretty soon as well. And where can they follow you at? Uh, you can follow me at Carlos Copsula. Just, I mean, I'll put my name here somewhere. It says it's going to be hard to spell, but if you, I mean, literally, if you type that in, I'm probably the only Carlos Copsula in the world. I would so, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, If you go Especially ahead. when you see how you spell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you uh, search me up, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I have a YouTube channel. Um, that's usually uh, TikTok, of course. Um, he's, I, an, he's an influencer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm practically a creator. I mean, I, I just do real estate part-time. But, uh, but uh, and what about you? Uh, where to follow you at? Uh, I will not give out my Twitter handle because that is where I go to complain about sports and stupid stuff. But you can find me at Chris Jacobs Realtor on Twitter. It's a thing, dude. It's toxic. It's like I mean, a, it's like a bad marriage. It's an ex. It's like a bad marriage. Like you just the stuff you see on there. It's where the dumbest people in the world go to congregate, and I'm okay, on there right. quite a bit. Don't look me up. Um, Threads is the new thing. I don't even know what the hell that is. It's like Substack. It's Instagram's version of Twitter. Or like the streaming stuff. Like, I, anyways. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jacobs Realtor on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can follow me. I do all kinds of giveaways and stuff like that. We do a lot of coolers and trips. We do a bit of fishing trip for some veterans not too long ago. So you can follow us there. Again, we are powered by the Neil and Neil team. And again, thank you everybody for tuning in to the Just One More podcast. And sooner rather than later, we're going to explain to y'all where the hell we got that name from. And shout out to Stacey Cognac for getting me that sign, for, for getting us that sign. It turned out badass. It is so thank y'all for tuning in from the Just One More podcast and myself. And Carlos Capsua, we'll see you next time. Yeah, later.